Canada's gap between home building and population growth has never been wider than it is now. And we talk about this as being deemed a housing crisis. You know, we just have too many people for the amount of properties and available homes that we have here in this country. This isn't something that's new, but what does the data actually tell us based on this new research? We're going to get into it right now with our senior fellow at the Fraser Institute, Joseph Philipowitz, who is joining us. Joseph, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Hi, Chelsea. It's great to be here. So just talk a little bit about these these findings that now this gap between home building and population growth has never been wider than it is now. Clarify that for us, Joseph. What does that mean? Well, your, your listeners are probably painfully aware of the country's housing shortage. And, and what this analysis shows is that the gap between demand and supply is growing, not actually shrinking. Um, last year alone, Canada's population grew by more than 1 million people, but we only built about 220,000 homes. So there's a big gap, and, and, and unfortunately, it's been growing over the last 50 years, not shrinking. So obviously, uh, this is something that is a bit of a worrisome trend, Joseph, right? And you, I know you mentioned that our, our listeners are painfully aware of this. Um, but yet it really is going in the wrong direction. Why is that? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, really, good, that's a really good question. And Canadians are, are right to demand solutions to this worsening crisis. Um, so, uh, you know, all governments have, have policy levers affecting both the demand and the supply of housing. And unfortunately, um, you know, they've been doing more to frustrate the process than, 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 improve, than improve things. Um, on the ground, municipalities determine what kinds of homes and how many of them are allowed to be built. Um, while the federal government is primarily responsible for population growth, notably through immigration policy. Um, so it, need, you know, it needs to coordinate with other levels of government when it makes these kinds of decisions. And, and there's a lot more governments could do. Uh, but the key is that they work together, not at cross purposes, which is what we've seen, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point, too, um, you know, because I think the idea of whose who's fault this is um, is one that we, you know, kind of need to clarify and I think keep talking about, too. Justin Trudeau was um, pretty famously roasted for saying that this isn't necessarily just the federal government's fault or responsibility. And as frustrating as that is, uh, it, it's kind of true. I mean, there is there is a multiple layer of governments that really do need to kind of take ownership of this problem. What do you think the right way forward? should be? Well, it's, a, it's another good question. I mean, at, at, at its root, this gap is caused by governments not communicating. So, so we're now we're in a situation, as I mentioned, where the federal government has the most direct control over housing demand, while provinces and municipalities have the most direct control over housing supply. And, and unfortunately, they don't coordinate all that much. So I think a good first step among many uh, would, would be to simply uh, to coordinate better, um, to be more aware of, of what other levels of government are doing, especially when the consequences, as, as we all know, can be so dire. You know, you wrote a paper for um, FraserInstitute.org, um, really very well written. You talk a little bit about how policymakers might be potentially looking in the wrong places to try to help. Can you expand on that? Well, you know, the, this issue has been developing over decades, um, and it's only now that it's really become not just a, a, an isolated issue in, in specific cities and regions that, that have been dealing with this for longer, but, but now it's, a, it's truly a national issue. And, and so um, policymakers are scrambling to respond to a, you know, nationwide demands to, uh, to fix this problem. So they might, you know, because this is happening, this is all happening at once, they might look in the wrong places for, uh, for policy solutions. For example, they, they, might, uh, they might try to, um, you know, they might look for, for good reasons or bad reasons to help homeowners or, sorry, home buyers 
uh, make it a little bit easier to, to say, for example, get a down payment for a home. The problem is, if you do that to all home buyers, that's just gonna that's just gonna juice demand. And, and if there's no if there's no supply uh, to satisfy that demand, all we're gonna see is higher prices. So you know, a well-intended policy um, uh, made in isolation uh, can actually make things make things worse rather than better. So I think it's important for policymakers to see this as a whole, and again, to to coordinate with one another across levels of government. Uh, before before making rash decisions that could potentially worsen the problem. Yeah, you talk about the idea of potentially introducing new tax subsidies for first-time homebuyers, um, which would increase demand without necessarily increasing supply. And it's really that that we need to focus on, is just concentrating solely on, on filling this gap, creating more supply. Is that right, Joseph? Well, it's you know the home prices and, and rents are are a reflection of both demand and supply. So on one hand, it's it's about you know hitting the hitting the brakes on demand or at least not making things worse. While while on the supply side, it's absolutely about accelerating supply and and really about removing barriers. I mean, new policies might be tempting to announce, but in many ways, uh, it's policy decisions we've already made that have gotten us to this place. So so uh, it can be very hard for politicians to undo decisions, but but ultimately that might be what's required if if we want to restore some semblance of balance in our market. Joseph, were there any other findings um, from your research that you, the, the, you thought were surprising? Well, I, I think it's it's jarring how things have changed because we we, we take a longer uh, you know we went we we looked at all the data uh, available to us comparable data which which go back to 1972, um, and and so between 2018 and 2022, the last five years of data, the population grew by about 550,000 people on average per year, while only about 200,000 homes were built annually. Meanwhile, in the 1970s, so so again, uh, what, what I the period I just talked about, you, you have a ratio of about two to two to one. So um, you know, uh, two two people, uh, two additional people, two and a half additional people in Canada for for home build. But in the 1970s, it was a lot closer to one to one. In fact, we built more homes in the 1970s on average than we do now, even though our population was smaller. So I, I just think it's it's really shocking to see that not only was there a closer uh, for a, a lot closer balance. Uh, between demand and supply back in the 1970s, but that a smaller a smaller Canada was able to build more homes than we do today. Right. Joseph, thank you so much for making the time and sharing your insight on this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. That's Joseph Filipowicz, Senior Fellow at the Fraser Institute, talking about Canada's gap between... Home building and population growth has never been wider than it is now. Uh, and part of this housing crisis conversation that we have been talking about uh, a lot lately here on the show and, of course, here on this station.